0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Supplements. This is a new supplement company that I really love. I've recently discovered them. Their products are made in the USA. They make all-natural, nutrient-dense superfood supplements at incredibly reasonable prices. So I found this company really helps make it possible for families to eat a nutrient-packed, all-natural diet without breaking the bank. And even better, they offer bulk discounts, so if you have a big family, this has really helped our budget. You can buy all of their amazing supplements like liver, collagen, even fermented kale and get up to 35% off with bulk orders. If you use the code WellnessMama10 at PerfectSupplements.com, you can also get an additional 10% off of your order on top of that. Definitely check them out. The other sponsor for this episode is the Wellness Mama Cookbook, and yes, that is my cookbook, but I wanted to specifically talk about it for a second because I spent a lot of time compiling this cookbook as a resource for busy moms. As a mom myself, I know that you just don't have extra time to spend hours and hours each day in the kitchen. And this is why the cookbook contains all of our family favorite recipes, many of them you can make in under half an hour using only one pan so you can save on the dishes as well and they have sneaky veggies which use veggies in place of a lot of the refined ingredients in many foods i know that your family will love the recipes as much as ours does so grab it at any major bookstore on amazon or check it out on wellnessmama.com welcome to the healthy moms podcast i'm katie from wellnessmama.com today i'm here with john durant The New York Times best-selling author of The Paleo Manifesto and also of Spartan Fit with co-writer Joe Decina, who is the founder of Spartan Race. John is also a Harvard grad, and he's been called a professional caveman. He was one of the first to really adopt and popularize the paleo diet, and I believe there were stories of him running barefoot through Central Park and experimenting with intermittent fasting in New York, which would be a very hard place to fast, and doing polar bear swims in the Atlantic. He's been featured in the New York Times, in the New Yorker, the Colbert Report, and NPR, and he's also one of the 100 most influential people in health and fitness. From um, a personal side, John is the founder of a company that I believe in called Wild Ventures, which is a seed fund focused on consumer health products and technology. He's also a personal friend. And John and I have had some great conversations over the past couple years about the future of health and how companies, both big and small, play into that. And today I'm excited to let you into one of my conversations with one of the greatest minds in our industry. So welcome, John.
1: I don't know about one of the greatest minds, but uh, it's great to be here and uh, love love being on your podcast.
0: I'm so excited. I want to jump right in because I always learn so much from you. and I know that you've worked with a lot of companies, both large and small, and I feel like you have a really good perspective because of this, especially about the role of business in making lasting changes. So Recently there have been several instances where I've taken a lot of flack from my own readers for recommending a company that has good products but that are owned, for instance, by big companies or that are seen as kind of big companies that have sold out. Um, So for instance, I linked to Burt's Bees Baby Clothes because they're organic and they're one of the few brands that are pretty comparable price-wise to regular clothes. And I got a lot of comments from readers who were angry that I would link to a company that was owned by Clorox or by a big company. And I know I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'd really like to hear yours. Do you think it's a bad thing to support companies that are starting to enter the natural arena, even if that hasn't always been their focus?
1: Well, so, I mean, the good the, there are drawbacks to the free market system. Um, but the good thing about markets is that if you change demand and what people are demanding and what they will buy from small companies, big companies, whoever, companies will respond. Ultimately, they um most of them focus on purely on making money. And if people say, we want you to make money in a certain way that we believe in, more and more companies will start to do that. So, um, people can can vote with their dollars. You know, one of the um, one of the ways that I with uh, this has entered my life is in some debates and conversations with vegans and vegetarians. And they say, you know, if you eat meat, you're supporting a bad system. And I say, well, I get a lot of my meat from ranchers or local farmers, grass fed, things like that. Um, but it's true. Not all of my meat comes from perfectly uh you know perfectly pastured sources sometimes i just buy what's in my budget at the grocery store sometimes i'm at a restaurant and and things like that and guess what i end up buying some some food from people who maybe aren't aren't doing it right and the the way that i sort of like i i, I read a bunch of vegan and vegetarian books and i went deep into it because i sort of took some of these criticisms seriously and where i sort of came away is Um, If you think about what vegetarianism is in an economic standpoint, it's basically a boycott. It's a boycott on meat. There's a group of people that say, I don't believe in this. I'm not going to buy it. We're boycotting your product. We're boycotting your company. And boycotts can be effective if you get most of the people in an area to do it. But if it's it's a very small number, if if it's 2% of people or even 5% of people, they're not always they're not always effective so if you think about a million bucks um, if you take a million dollars away from Cargill or Monsanto or Tyson or you know someone like that these companies are so big they don't even notice a million bucks is a rounding error to them Um, but if you take that same million bucks in sales and revenue to a, a U.S. wellness meets or to a, you know, a a small, a small operation that we believe in, that million bucks makes a huge difference. It's just enormous, right? Because for for what amounts to a startup getting off the ground, starting up an alternative food system, th- those initial sales early on are make or break. You know, it's if it's the difference between, um, you know, continuing to build and grow and expand. Um, and failing and, you know, getting out of the business. So getting back to sort of the, the vegan and vegetarian arguments, it's true that not every piece of meat that I eat, I and I can't afford to have every piece of meat be perfect, but I there's always a dedicated portion of my budget, um, basically as large as possible, that goes to, pe- to small groups that are doing it right, or bigger companies companies that have seen the writing on the wall and said we're going to shift our processes and I, and I do want to reward that because I want more people doing it right and 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 so for me it's more important to reward people for doing it right than to try to punish people for doing it wrong um, and that's just the nature of people trying to do new things another example in this in this area that I've that really moved me is, um, are you familiar with Temple Grandin, the uh, the animal expert? Um, there's a great movie, I think on I think it was released on HBO with Claire Danes playing Temple Grandin. But she's just this incredible woman who helps who basically helps design more humane slaughterhouses. That's one of the things she's done. She's autistic and and she that she says that that enabled her to put herself in the mind of animals. Um, And could understand their fear and their emotions as as they were um, as they were being led to slaughter and and she helped um, her designs for these more more humane slaughterhouses that wouldn't cause fear that wouldn't cause stress eventually got adopted by McDonald's and other big chains. So that's another sort of interesting ethical question right like. Ooh, she worked with McDonald's, but on the other hand, McDonald's has so much scale. And if McDonald's says, "Okay, we want to improve and do it better," we agree. You're right. We're doing it wrong. We want to do it better. And so she worked with them and she helped them make it better. And 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 so her willingness to do that, um, it, the scale that a, that a company like that has, if they start to make a change, it just has a big impact. I'll give you another example. So Walmart, of course, is massive. Um, not everybody likes Walmart. They do offer very low prices. You know, it, it's, it's a mixed bag. But uh, Walmart, at a certain point, realized that there were a lot of things because there they have such power over the supply chain. That's really what Walmart is good at is, is supply chain and logistics and distribution. And they had so much influence over the brands that they stocked. You know, they realized that like the laundry detergent companies, Tide and whatever, they would water down their products, make them bigger and heavier than they needed to be and more wasteful just because they could charge more. And it seemed like people were, you know, getting a more substantial purchase. But you can have, you know, a little bit more concentrated uh, laundry detergent and you get the same effect, but it doesn't weigh as much. It's not as much shipping. It doesn't take up as much space. It's less wasteful. Um, and there's really no difference except for just the psychology of sales. And and Walmart said, you know, you're taking up an awful lot of space on our trucks and on our shelves, and you need to make your product smaller and less wasteful. So if Walmart makes a decision like that, suddenly they can have a huge, a huge impact on using less water, fewer resources and delivering the same product. And so... If they do make a change like that, that is better than them doing it the old way. And so I'm willing to I'm willing to support that if, if people are starting to make changes. I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to get a Walmart tattoo on on my bicep um, and I'm not going to become like their biggest cheerleader or something like that. But if they if people take steps in the right direction, I'm willing to I'm willing to support that.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's why I love your perspective, because I feel like you have kind of the inside view of what these companies are doing. And I think they don't have to be at odds. I think that's why I get frustrated is, of course, it's important. I think all of us would agree that it's important to support our local economy as much as possible and to support local farmers when we can. But at the same time, if a huge company like Clorox starts buying massive amounts of organic cotton, that affects the demand much more quickly than if my small farmer here is just growing organic cotton. So I think... The long for the long term for actually lasting changes, we kind of need to address all of these points at once instead of just being like so opposed to big companies,
1: yeah. And and so, like, in the food space, I agree completely. In the food space right now, you know, we have seen Applegate get bought by Hormel, we've seen Epic get bought by General Mills, and and so you know, people see those acquisitions and they're like oh, man, what is going to happen? Like, are they going to start trying to, like, cut costs and use lower quality ingredients? And um, who's profiting from this? And, you know, what is the values of of the mothership? And and what there's good reason for people to be skeptical, because, you know, some of these big companies just don't have a good track record uh, around health and environment and stuff like that and I have spoken to other entrepreneur friends in the food movement who are in touch with folk and I and I know the epic folks and I'm cautiously optimistic I mean the big CPGs and CPG stands for consumer packaged goods companies so you know these are General Mills Kellogg's Kraft stuff like that their sales have not been doing well in a lot of their categories and it's not just like a one or two year dip you know, breakfast, breakfast cereals are in decline, um, a bunch of a bunch of their big money makers are in decline. And sometimes when these things go into cl- decline, you know, it's a few year fad where, you know, for whatever reason, people are buying less of it, but then it pops back up. And some of these categories that they have are, are in long term decline, basically. And so they've sort of had their oh shit moment and they see the writing on the wall and they're like, we've we you know, purely, even if it's just from a selfish perspective, they realize they have to start doing things differently. Um, so what I've heard through the grapevine is that, and and I want, I don't take my word for this, you know, verify with Applegate and how they continue to do things. Um, but I've heard that, like Hormel has said, we want you to be more Applegate, not less. Um, we want you to do more of everything that you believe in You know, because that's different. That's a different way of doing things than how Hormel was doing things. And um, and the future seems like it belongs to Applegate. You know, I'm like I said, people out there should remain skeptical. They don't just take my word for it. But I'm cautiously optimistic that these big CPGs have seen the writing on the wall and are realizing they need to they need to change how they do things.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think in a contrast to that is companies that are smaller comparatively, but that are in the natural space that are doing it right, that are just seeing insane astronomical growth, like Primal Kitchen and like Thrive Market, these companies that are focused on the values that a lot of people are looking for and that have organic foods, and they're doing awesome. And they're growing very quickly, which I think is a testament to that demand like you were just talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this sort of Ties in to maybe I'll sort of explain what I'm doing with wild ventures because that ties into the startup ecosystem but uh, yeah, I I, When my book came out three years ago the first one paleo manifesto little startups were reaching out to me on a fairly regular basis for You know a review a blog mention introductions if they were in New York um, where I lived at the time and I just started to help some of them and I didn't I didn't have grand ambitions of getting into the venture industry. I wasn't looking for, you know, some sort of like a lot of them I would just sort of help because I liked the the company or the product and wanted to see them succeed. And I started to get more closely involved with a few of them. One of them is Thrive Market um, and got involved formally as an advisor and and started to help help these startups raise capital from influencers with platforms and distribution and um it it's just gone very very well and one of the things that companies love see a lot of these founders are very um you have to you have to be crazy to be a founder basically like the <laughs> odds of these many of these startups succeeding are very low and so you have to have non financial reasons for doing what you're doing because it's crazy and it's hard and the the toll of being a founder is enormous on your relationships, on your body, your stress levels. Um, you know, it, it, you're trying to raise money from sometimes from whoever you can, and then you know when you owe someone money, that you know that's a major obligation. It's just it's a very difficult thing to do, and and I respect founders enormously. And what sometimes happens if you want to grow quickly and go big to try to challenge some of the big guys is you start to have to raise money from institutions and these institutions at the earliest stage are venture funds. Um, and they have enough capital where they can write a $2 million check or a $5 million check, you know, and if they really love you, they can do that a week, late, you know, a week after they meet you or go through your business. And and for people that want to grow big and change the system and shoot for the stars, there, there are, the VCs don't always, <laughs> they might believe in the business opportunity, but it's unclear whether VCs al- always believe in your mission. And there's a lot of rules and, and uh, restrictions that come with these big institutions raising money. So what we did with Thrive initially is um, they were turned down by, I don't know, 25 VCs for a few reasons. I mean, one is nobody wants to compete with Amazon because Amazon is is such a juggernaut. The logistics and fulfillment of of, you know, running an online retailer and having 4000 products in stock um, it, that is complicated and it requires a lot of capital. And even though the founders were had built successful businesses before. Um, and and so they turned um, to influencers and said, look, you believe in this mission. You know your people want something like this so that we can get, you know, the big problem with Whole Foods is its whole paycheck. It's so expensive and most people don't live near a Whole Foods. So how do we start to make these products and these brands more accessible wherever you live, more affordable so that it can be in your butt, you know, within your budget um, and and start to, to take this to everybody in America? And you know, you heard this, Mark Sisson heard this, Rob Wolf, Michelle Tam. And they're like, yes, we we want this to happen. We believe in this. This can be a force for good. And it's something that our people want. And and so Thrive ended up raising capital for a long time, not from institutions or not any dominant institution that set the terms um, and from mostly influencers. And it's so far, it's been a tremendous success you know, there's still a long way to go. Um, it's 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 hard to build a business um, and, and to build it quickly. But, um, you know, I'm I'm very hopeful and optimistic that, you know, one, one of the cool th- one of the initiatives that Thrive is going to be doing more of is because they're online, they can feature uh, the stories of these brands much more effectively than, you know, in a story of very limited real estate. But online, They can start telling the stories of these brands and these founders and their supply chains much more effectively so that, you know, they're working on that, Um, you know, and you don't you don't see that at Amazon. You don't see that at Kroger, you know, when you're in the store. So that's, um, you know, helping these startups um, that are that are focused on on healthy living. And, And and so I've I've been coordinating, you know, some health and fitness influencers to find things that we truly can believe in. And get behind, not just sort of a, oh, I'll promote it once sort of thing, but a, but a brand and a mission that we feel confident about for years, going into the future, um, and and then sidestepping the mainstream media, sidestepping all the big channels, and speaking directly to people, um, and and sort of taking them, uh, you know, these these healthy living uh, startups.
0: Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And I think that's a great example that you make about it being so much more effective to support the companies you do believe in than to boycott the ones you don't. Because I know it feels pretty powerless if you're going to boycott, for instance, General Mills, like they're probably never going to notice you boycotting it or even a large group of us. But like you said, Thrive has noticed the support from so many of us and are growing really rapidly because of it. Um, Do you think that it's reasonable to think that these kind of companies can eventually challenge the big ones, at least in some of these verticals of natural products?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You you know, the, the, in the more organic space there, they tend to be more like a little bit higher margin products, more premium products, and eventually the price will fall. But, you know, if you're here, here's, here's what's happening to the big guys. There, there, there's sort of two things that are happening. One is you have some bigger like organic players and local players that are starting to get more and more scale. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll be able to challenge them. The other th- dynamic that's happening is that the big players are, they're losing sales, but the biggest of the, you know, organic healthy players aren't as big as all the sales they're losing. So what seems to be happening is that people are the 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 industry is sort of decentralizing where people are buying more and more from local purveyors artisanal things doing it themselves and so you know for every million dollars that General Mills is losing or Kellogg's is losing um, it's not as if all of that goes right back to Annie's or whatever which I think is owned by General Mills or you know one of the big organic players it, it seems like a bunch of that is just going now and into the local economy. And, and you know what, that's good. It, it may mean that, you know, some of the, these, these big guys are cash cows. If you take something like lunchables or even cereal or, you know, cake mixes and things like that, they, some of these categories aren't growing, but they just produce, they print money because the grains are so cheap and the ingredients that they put in them are so cheap. And and so I don't think these guys are going anywhere soon because they're sitting on a lot of cash, but they they don't have any growth in these bad parts of their business and so they realize that if if they're going to grow, they need to change and do things different. So I don't I don't quite know what the future holds. I'm not sure that you know, if I had to bet 20 years from now, I'd you know, I'd probably bet that some of the big guys are still the big guys, but hopefully they've shifted their behavior a lot. Um, and and I think there could be a few companies to that would challenge them. I mean, look, like Whole Foods, you know, was, was a tiny regional player, um, you know, until, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. And, you know, now you've got Trader, you know, some of these retailers like Trader Joe's have, have you know, been doing a bunch of better things as well. So, uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm optimistic as well. And like we talked about, if these big players in 20 years have chosen organic ingredients, at least that's so much more land space that's not being sprayed with chemicals. And those are going to make changes across the board. So I hope you're right on that.
1: Well, just one other additional thought there. You know, when, to focus on the environment, for example, you know, people, I have sort of complicated views uh, that don't line up with either party on global warming and the environment and stuff like that. But what I feel very confident about is we're going to have to innovate our way out of the problem, you know, and and so I really think that what's going to happen is, you know, they, they do all these climate accords and things like that. And, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're going to reduce um, emissions by five percent. You know over the next 20 years and 95 you know like kyoto is like 95 years from now there will be a you know 0. 0.2 degree reduction in the global temperature average and it's like 95 years from now um what i what i really think is going to happen is you're going to see alternative energy whether it's solar wind nuclear um you know many things across the board uh, over time they will become more affordable there will be breakthroughs if entrepreneurs are allowed to innovate and something, you know, there, there will be an innovation, whether it's Elon Musk or someone else, where these alternatives become so inexpensive and and inefficient. Oil isn't going to go away, but these these government-led accords, they're not going to do jack squat. I'm, I'm being a little bit cynical here. What's going to happen is people are going to create the future and the alternative. And 20 years from now, we're going to look back on it and we're going to be like, how do we ever think that these government bureaucrats were going to solve this like complicated, you know, global problem? We're going to have some geniuses invent some amazing stuff. And if some of the regulations can get out of the way, they're going to create the future. And, And that's that's how we're going to solve some of these some of these environmental problems. That's what I really believe.
0: I 100% agree. And it may be opening up a can of worms, but I think that applies on so many levels that we can't regulate our way out of a problem. And especially if you're trying to get the government to do that, um, it's going to be a very long and inefficient process that's probably not even going to work in the long run. Whereas if all of us as consumers are driving the demand, you're going to see changes quickly because, of course, you're affecting the bottom line for these companies.
1: That's exa- That's exactly right. And the other thing is a lot of the big the big companies they like regulation because they can afford regulation and the small players they can't afford the expensive facility you know i've i've seen this in the um in the local meat movement where a lot of these um you know slaughterhouses basically are Very expensive, you know, and and they make it very difficult. The USDA makes it very difficult to find more affordable alternatives for people that are raising their cattle properly. You know, they're not sick, they're not on antibiotics all the time. They're fed more natural diets. And and so these the, the lack of slaughterhouses or affordable slaughterhouses is in part due to some of this regulation. Now, I understand why there are calls for regulation at times. Uh, You know, people get scared. There should be some like base level of um, but the big business loves regulation because it is a barrier to entry to keep the small guys small and to keep them from challenging, you know, taking the crown.
0: Absolutely. And I know even just from talking to local business owners in our own area, including farmers, that it's almost impossible for them to make a reasonable living, even working 12 hours a day farming because of things like regulations. And it's hard for them to hire employees because of all the extra taxes. And there's just so much involved in that that people don't realize. And so I think you're right that the long-term solution is going to be a multifaceted approach that hopefully involves fewer regulations, but also involves those of us are buying products making the choices with our dollars and i think you offer a really viable solution in explaining how it does it's not effective to boycott but you can make such a difference by voting with where you do spend your money and and look boycotts work
1: sometimes you know there's some people angry at the nfl this year and nfl ratings have dipped you know there's some people angry at target and target sale you know they made some political statements and their sales dip so you know boycotts can be effective however if if you know if your vegetarianism and it's two percent of the population and then you know the big players grow industrial soybeans and turn them into Boca burgers and sell them right back to you know to the vegetarians like it i don't there's like a two percent one-time hit to their sales and then they're like okay well this is our new business it's two percent less but like go you know you know so they it doesn't have as big of an impact um, as as many people think.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we talked about some of the good studies that we've seen in companies that you've worked with, like Epic and seeing Applegate and them be acquired by big companies. I'm sure that these companies that are trying to, um, to grow and to face these big companies in today's world also face a whole lot of challenges. So we talked about um, the regulations, but for companies, other companies, let's talk about the challenges they're going to face in the industrial system, since the system is geared towards these big companies, things like I know you've worked with Exo and the Crickets and um, AOBiome, wh- who was also a podcast guest. So let's talk about those and what kind of challenges they face.
1: Yeah, it. Um, so AOBiome um, is a skin microbiome company. They they make a a line, a consumer line called Mother Dirt, and and they're really their signature product that nobody else is going to come out with because they have IP around it. Is um, a live bacteria in a spray, ammonia oxidizing bacteria. So they have to they have to, you know, bacteria is a living thing and they have to grow it and they have to grow it in the right conditions um, and, you know, do lots of purity checks and things like that. But our industrial system is not set up. It, it's set up to try to kill bacteria wherever possible. It's not set up to grow you know bacteria they may do that inadvertently because of you know some of the industrial stuff but if you've ever been in like an industrial factory or something like that it you know it tends to look like a jail with a lot of cement and steel and uh, stainless steel and things like that In, in part because that those are materials that you can sterilize relatively easily but they're trying to grow bacteria so that is um you know they're having to do the consumer just sees the product when it arrives and they're having to do all this work on their supply chain to, um, to grow good bacteria. Um, it's sort of like how, you know, when a lot of these kombucha companies started to get bigger and bigger and bigger, there weren't necessarily co-packers that would ferment products. Like they didn't, they didn't have the setup for it. And, and so if GTs or, Health aid or you know other other smaller ones out there as, as they get bigger and bigger um, the the facilities just didn't exist to grow you know grow bacteria and then there are regulatory challenges so you know Exo is trying to pioneer uh, insects as a healthy sustainable ethical source of protein and in, in most cultures around the world aside from the west there are at least some insects that are considered clean and are eaten regularly like crickets and grasshoppers and locusts and you see that in the bible right there are people eating locusts and locusts and honey john the baptist that sort of thing you know but the usda has restrictions on basically insect contamination for foods unless the food itself is an insect but then if you go to a co-packer and a co-packer is like a um a, a production facility that um, will produce your product for you. And then it's, you know, it's your specifications, your ingredients, your label. But, but it, you know, it's too expensive for a startup to have their own kitchen facilities as they start to get to scale. And, and so you work with a co-packer. You know, what co-packer <laughs> wants to work with insects, right? And and so these these this is one of the reasons why I've come to respect these founders and these startups so much is because they do so much work behind the scenes that people never even see. On, on trying to get the supply chain for these unconventional products up and running, but yeah, it's it's. I, I started to laugh when I was like, man, a lot of the companies I help, they 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 have to they behind the scenes they actually you know there's a lot of work that goes into producing products in a better way, and it's and it's expensive at the beginning. Uh, you know, another example. I I don't have a, a relationship with with U.S. Wellness Meats, but uh, you know John Wood of U.S. Wellness Meats. Um, there, you know, there's also social pressure. We talk about regulations, we, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, machinery and things like that. Um, he, I think he's in Missouri, um, his, all his neighbors, when he started doing grass fed cattle, all his neighbors thought he was crazy, just absolutely crazy. He was the only one around. Um, he said it was, it was very stressful on his family and on his marriage. And uh, it's hard to to be the one person in your area that might be doing something completely differently and he had a lot of money on the line. And um, after some hard years, it's turned out to be a huge success. And, and the paleo community has been incredibly supportive of, of his operation. He's a great guy, you know, but he took a lot of risk. And it was just hard socially to say, I'm going to do something different and, and not just do it different, but do it early, be a first mover So there's just a lot that goes on behind the scenes of these startups um, that that's very difficult and, you know, they don't get a lot of praise for it necessarily or, you know, maybe you read about it on the packaging, but there's there's real work that goes into trying to do it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, I wanna pause this episode for just a minute to again thank the sponsor for this episode that makes it possible, PerfectSupplements.com. They make these amazing natural nutrient-dense superfoods made in the USA and incredibly reasonably priced. They are recent additions to our diet and I'm finding that every product of theirs I love Um, that I've tried. A favorite in our house right now, especially among my husband who does not like liver no matter how I cook it, no matter what I do, is their Perfect Desiccated Liver Supplement, which is a capsule. So if you have listened for long, you know that I use organ meats in our home a lot and I consider it nature's multivitamin if it's from a really good source. Um, If you have a hard time with the taste of liver, like my husband does, you may want to try their desiccated liver capsules. Other products of theirs we've been using recently are collagen, their greens powders, and even fermented kale because I will admit I don't actually love kale. It's just one of those greens I don't love and so it's made it possible to get it in our diet. But back to their liver. It's made from 100% grass-fed cattle and nothing else. Their liver is packed with vitamin A, B12, and iron, and it's this is the same product that has been recommended by Tim Ferriss and Dave Asprey, and I finally broke down and tried it, and I love it and can see why they recommend it. So I actually found, especially with um, pregnancy and nursing, that liver capsules like theirs can really help with energy levels and help mental clarity, which, of course, all moms need. So I wanted to, you guys to be able to try it and love it as much as I have and they've offered an amazing discount so you can get 10% off of any order by going to perfectsupplements.com forward slash wellnessmama and using the coupon code wellnessmama10 but the best part if you're from a big family or even if you only have a couple of kids you can order in bulk and get even bigger discounts. So they offer 25% off if you order three bottles of their supplements and 30% off if you order six bottles. So if you combine this with the coupon code wellnessmama10, you're saving 35 and 40%. And you can mix and match these to get a volume discount. Um, Great way to get discounts on their prices and some of the best prices I have found on these supplements, especially USA made high quality ones. So just go to perfectsupplements.com forward slash wellnessmama to get all the details this episode is also sponsored by the wellness mama cookbook and as i mentioned before this is a resource that i worked for hundreds and hundreds of hours on to create a guide that would actually be useful practical and really easy to use for moms who are busy and who don't have hours and hours each day to spend in the kitchen but who also prioritize cooking real food and my kids helped me test these recipes so they are definitely family approved they're also mom approved and here's why Um, Like I said, I'm an incredibly busy mom and I don't have a lot of extra time. So the majority of recipes can be made in under 30 minutes and a lot of them can be made in only one pan because I'm personally not a big fan of dishes and would rather not do any more than I have to. So you can check out the cookbook at any major bookstore on Amazon or on wellnessmama.com. It contains over 200 family-friendly recipes as well as some meal plans some guidance on planning and some how-to for getting your family on board with eating healthy i also like to tell people that it's a completely grain-free cookbook but if you don't avoid grains you can easily add in things like rice and pasta to dishes for most meals Um, what i did though is i replaced a lot of the refined ingredients in the recipes with vegetables our family does not eat any refined flour or refined sugar so I replaced those in recipes with vegetables that kids love like zucchini and cabbage and sweet potatoes. And there's everything from lasagna to chicken fingers to shepherd's pie and all of our family favorites. You can check them out, like I said, any major bookstore or at wellnessmama.com. Now back to the episode. Let's talk a little bit more about Wild Ventures and as far as what you see as the future of health because I think a lot of people are very... Uh, pessimistic about the future in a lot of different areas right now and especially in in health and natural foods and what they see as happening. So what do you what's your take on that and how do you see things like wild ventures helping change it?
1: You know, I'm I'm optimistic and and maybe that's just my nature and who I am, but I I believe that if if you have enough committed talented people, you can, you know, a small number, you can change the world. You know, we are looking to be Financially successful, but but that's not that's not our only criteria, and it's sometimes not even the primary criteria or you know the the top criteria. We we have a we have a set of principles, and I have a little bit of a manifesto up on on our website um, and and some of the things that we believe in. But um, I do believe in in sort of taking the best of the old and the best of the new. So you know I don't expect everybody to. You know lead a pure paleo lifestyle um you know even myself I, I don't do that i use technology and all that sort of stuff but um you know i i think we're gonna f- one of the things that i look for um, one of, the, one of the big questions is when i look at companies is is something a fad or not you know is, is this just going to be a blip for the next two years or is it going to be sustained Um, and one of the things that i look at is well Um, How old is it? Have we been doing it for a long time? Because if we've been doing something for a long time It's very likely that we're gonna continue doing it for a long time So just got involved with with a bone broth company kettle and fire that that I really believe in and You know some people say to me. Oh bone broth is a fad and I'm like, oh, come on Like you can't be serious people humans have been making bone broth for you know at least 10,000 years uh, probably longer and uh, you, you see it in all these different cultures around the world, because using hot water, um, particularly with an acid in there, is an effective way to get valuable nutrients out of, you know different parts of the animal that are difficult to access, like marrow in the middle of a bone, um, or cartilage, you know, which is tough and hard to eat, or, you know, leaching nutrients from the bone directly. So, that's one of our sources of insight is we do look for things that have been around for a long time and have sort of fallen out of favor over the last you know fifty to one hundred years where the industrial food system has has really taken off. So, you know, what's old is new again um, is one of our themes. I do one of the things I say is that I like cults, um and it doesn't just have to be the paleo cult. but, and I'm actually using cult. Cult usually has like a negative connotation, but I'm using it in a positive way here. You know, when when you have a group of people that have a high intensity of love for something, that's a really interesting signal because um, it means you have a core uh, group of hardcore, you know, hardcore believers. Not everybody is going to become a health fanatic. That it's you know, the world doesn't work like that. People are different, and and some people just don't care that much and you know that will that will always be a certain percentage of the population um, where it's not part of their identity and and so we also look at things called you know that that one of my friends steve dean coined um, passive interventions things that will work on anybody even if they're the laziest person they don't care about health but it would still work so those are sort of like two opposites that i think about so the cult members And then the passive interventions. I like those extremes. I love I love the people that, you know, don't need financial motivation and they're true believers and they'll go to war for it um, for what they believe in. And then on the other hand, the people don't care at all. And you need something that that works for everybody. So um, one of the one of the companies that 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 we're doing right now um, makes a product called the Chili Pad and the Chili Pad. Um, I got one a couple months ago, and I just love it. I, I use it every night. It's it's a it's a pad that you put um, on your mattress underneath your fitted sheet. Um, there are some very thin tubes that you can't feel that contain a little bit of water flowing through them, um, which connects to a device off to the side of the bed. Um, tested at zero EMF, um, but the water flows through, it and you can warm or cool the temperature of your sleeping surface um which i love because uh i sleep better when i'm cool but then i throw a lot of covers on and then i get hot it, like it's it, it's hard to get the temperature right under the covers in your bed particularly if you have two you know if you have a husband and a wife or something like that and you know she likes it warmer and he likes it cooler and you know and you're fiddling with the thermostat and you know, you know and if you're heating up the room a lot it's expensive and you know and running the ac all that sort of stuff so this just warms or cools the the surface of your bed i love it and what's interesting about it is that there? There's a there's a there are the cult members, you know, and I count myself among them who use the product and love it. You know, Tim Ferriss has written about it. Um, there's a music producer named Rick Rubin who who introduced me to the product, um, and uh, Mark Sisson and his wife Carrie use it and love it gabby reese the volleyball player and laird hamilton the the big wave surfer and so you know you've got these call members but then what i love about the product too is that you know once you install it and put it on your bed all you have to do is is turn it on you know at night and eventually it'll have automatic settings where it just turns on by itself and and it just works. And when, you know, when you're asleep, you're not conscious when you're asleep. So discipline and willpower and all the stuff that people usually struggle with when it comes around health, like you're asleep, you're unconscious. It like your willpower doesn't matter. And so you just need the context, your your little habitat, your room. Uh, To be right to allow your body to to sleep better because temperature ties into circadian rhythm and when it's night It should be cooler and to your body. That's a signal that it's night So so this was an interesting example of something that was both a passive intervention or could be for a lot of people Where it doesn't require willpower. It doesn't require discipline or identity and yet you had a bunch of cult members who loved it, too So, you know, I think we're gonna find solutions for people that are on both ends of the spectrum where believers are gonna make a big impact and we're gonna come up with things that work for everybody, whether you care about it or not, and, and it'll just work. So, you know, I'm 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 hopeful. It it's it's hard to to build these startups, but you know, I'm I'm irrationally self confident. And that can get me into trouble sometimes. But uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big believer um in, in the power of entrepreneurship.
0: Me too. And I'll echo, I'm gonna write about it soon, but the chili pad, I've been trying it at your recommendation. And I would say for moms, because it's a little bit pricey for a mom, and I would probably forego the expensive stroller for a baby and buy that instead, just because it actually really helps with quality of sleep, especially if you're pregnant or nursing and have trouble regulating your temperature because of all those hormones it's been awesome and i can see especially in the summer it being really energy efficient to save money on air conditioning because i don't sleep well when it's hot yeah and that's made a huge difference i love it
1: you know i i'm glad to hear that and i went through um a bunch of reviews and you know there are a few quirks with the device that in the next launch are going to get worked out um I, i i love mine but i see over and over women uh, going through menopause and getting hot flashes and then uh, pregnant women who you know, will get hot flashes and, and just periods where they can't cool off I've, I've seen comment after comment um, About how this is the only thing that works for them and both from both husbands and wives and husbands are like raving That you know, they bought like the perfect gift for their for their wife who might be uncomfortable in pregnancy so I, I, I Don't experience that obviously as a man, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of lot of testimonials there.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely a big fan. And I'll make sure we link to all the companies. I know we've touched on a lot, but all the ones that you've mentioned and that are involved were involved with, with Wild Ventures. Um, I think there's some great ones. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for that as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I've um, the other thing that's that's really exciting about it is when I'm talking to founders, they they love that we're true believers and founders ourselves. Um because they're, like they're all should and and the right to be cautious of some VCs. many VCs are very good, they're good people and and they're straightforward and whatever. but when you're when you're on a five or ten year adventure, you want true believers that will be with you at your lowest moment because there will always be a lowest moment um, and and so i've I've heard from them like, oh man, like you guys get what I'm doing long term. You know, your founders yourselves, um, so there's more immediate trust and and then can help with promotion of, of what we believe in. So it's, um, you know, the model, the model's working and uh, and, you know, I'm really excited about, you know, seeing seeing what happens. I mean, I guess if I have one regret about going through this whole process is I'm talking to great companies all the time. And I just wish I wish I had the time and resources to work with more of them. But you know, even even when we don't necessarily invest, if, if I can still help a company, we will. You know, sometimes people get a little competitive and they say, Oh, you're helping my company versus versus the other guy. In most of the spaces we're playing, they, like there's so much room in the industry for everybody to succeed. It's you know, it's like with EXO. Like there was a point where some of like the insect protein, you know, companies were felt very competitive with one another. And it's like, guys, come on. Like there's either going to be an industry around this or there's not. It's not like one company is going to succeed, but the rest are going to fail. Like it's either going to take off as as a thing or it's not. And if it takes off as a thing, there's going to be room for a lot of people to succeed. And, and 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 so that's sort of the the attitude that we take is let a million flowers bloom and and change the ecosystem and change the industry and, and f- focus a little bit less on sort of like ultra competitiveness with with each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as kind of maybe parting words. I'd love for you to speak to moms, especially because the majority of people listening are moms. And I know as a mom myself, oftentimes it feels like it's so hard to make any changes. And especially with a tight budget, it's hard to make good choices. But at the same time, as a group, moms have a huge percentage of the purchasing power of our country. And so my thing I always tell is we actually have a lot more power than we realize as far as affecting the outcomes long-term. So what would you say to moms and their ability, even if it's a limited ability on a budget and their purchasing power, um, what can they do on a practical level to help make these changes happen for our kids' generation?
1: I mean, mom, moms rule. And, and when it yeah, when it comes to you know, large sectors of the economy, it's it's women who make the purchase decisions. And so first, don't count yourself out. You do have enormous power. Second, even if you don't have the budget to buy something all the time, even if you just buy it occasionally, you know, that still benefits the company and it's better than nothing. And because they're startups and because they're smaller, it makes a difference. So don't beat yourself up if 80% of the time you can't afford the grass-fed option or something like that even if you do it from time to time you know when you have the budget that's great and that makes a difference too so so it, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing it can be an incremental thing moving in the right direction you know and and then moms it, moms are raising the next generation of people who who are going to have you know values and and preferences and things like that so you know and And I know your followers are are adamant about this, but trying to raise kids in a way that they eat real food um and come to like it and uh, and care about that. Um you know, because there' there are periods there are periods during kids' lives where at the end of the day, they will eat what you give them. And I think a lot of parents <laughs> they stop short. And eventually they just sort of give in and and basically bribe kids with sugar. Um, and I realize that school and the peer group and all that stuff is is very tough um, to to deal with at times. But at the end of the day, there are many periods during kids' lives where they will eat what you give them. And you have that power and you can do it in a good way. So moms, moms like I said, moms rule and have incredible influence, even if it's incremental, even if it's a little bit here and there. So don't beat yourself up and just, you know, small steps in the right direction. You know, one one foot in front of the other. That's that's how you run a marathon. You know, that's how you can change the world.
0: Awesome. John, thank you so much for your time. I'll make sure to link to all the companies we talked about and also to your website for File Adventures and to your um, website for the Paleo Manifesto and to the audiobook, which is awesome. Um, if people, moms can listen while they drive. So thank you so much for being here and I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Katie. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms Podcast. Did you know that you can become a Wellness Mama VIP member for free? Just go to wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast to subscribe to the podcast and then click free membership to gain access to a membership library of health and wellness resources you'll get the latest from wellness mama each week as well as special discounts and offers also find wellness mama on social media to stay updated with the latest podcast episodes blog posts and more thanks again for listening i'll see you next week